novelists and novelistas, welcome to mile seven of Novel Marathon, the 2023 edition. The last couple of weeks have been a wild ride at my job, as in, I wasn't sure whether I still had a job, which led me to think about compartmentalization and the value of making art. For me, compartmentalization is a way of separating different parts of who I am. There is the bringing home the bacon part, there's my family, and there's my writing. Those are the three biggies. Of course, compartmentalization has its limits, especially when something really big happens, like getting laid off, or breaking up with someone, or getting broken up with. I'm not even talking about getting bad health news. That's a whole nother level. Some people are able to channel life's upheavals into their art. Taylor Swift has never met an ex-boyfriend who didn't make good song material. Turning lemons into lemonade is a real skill. And I bet even for Taylor, it's not instantaneous. When life throws you a curveball, most of us need a beat to recover. Writing requires shutting out the world but sometimes that's easier said than done. What is one supposed to do when the world comes knocking, demanding our full attention? Just forget about that novel you've been meaning to write? Snap back into reality? The trouble with letting the world into our innermost creative sanctum is that two parts of ourselves suffer. In addition to things going south in real life, our creative pursuits are also in danger of taking a hit. And all of a sudden, our whole identity is threatened. I'm not suggesting that real life problems can be perfectly kept at bay. We aren't robots after all, and whatever walls we attempt to erect between the different roles we play are ultimately as soft and porous as our skin. I take a lot of pride and ownership in my work, but ultimately it's work for hire. I'm as replaceable as any other worker. At the end of the day, I don't own what I make. But you see, art is different. Our writing belongs to us. In case you're wondering, it turns out I still do have a job, but this experience has clarified a few things for me. When everything falls apart, my writing will still be there. What a gift to have that. Something that is constant, waiting for us. A refuge we can return to at any time. It's comforting and deserves to be protected. My advice to you, protect your art. It's worth it. And so are you. And now, let's recap and dive into the next mile of your book. Here are the readings and assignments for the next two weeks. In The One Year Novelist, we're reading chapters 15 and 16. In Refuse to be Done, we're reading pages 22 through 24. Here's your assignment. Write a paragraph about the moment you had the idea for your novel and what attracted you to it. Why do you care about this story? 
What's it going to be like to write this book? What will be the best thing and what will be the worst thing about it? Most importantly, write. Aim for roughly 500 words, five times per week. If you started drafting two weeks ago, then in another two weeks, you should have roughly 10,000 words. Here's a little more context which might help you with the homework. You're sitting in a Starbucks, fishing a Bluetooth keyboard out of your backpack and propping up your phone against the hot non-fat almond milk triple shot latte. How's it going to feel? What are you going to enjoy most about it? The pleasure of immersing yourself in a fictional world so different from your own? Seeing the word counter in the upper right-hand corner of your document steadily climb higher? Listening to your favorite playlist as you type your opening scene? And what's the worst thing going to be? Facing the blank page? Getting up early? Finding the time in your already busy schedule? What is the experience of writing this book going to be like for you? Write it down because that will make it real. Next, let's talk about subplots. Lisa Kron has this to say about subplots in Story Genius. Quote, you must create each subplot with one question in mind. How will it affect the main storyline? Which, of course, has itself been created with one question in mind. How will it affect the protagonist's struggle? If you're writing a mystery or crime novel, this remains true as well. On the surface, everything revolves around solving the crime and the third rail is driven by how the protagonist makes sense of what's happening and why the perpetrator did what he or she did. The mystery writers among you know this. The perpetrator is a secondary but very important character, without whom there would be no story arc for the main character, the hero solving the crime. In that way, subplots are little independent narrative engines which ensure that your main storyline and your plot is moving forward. So where do you find these subplots? There are two main sources. One, external events that were set in motion long before the novel began. And two, secondary characters, i.e. anyone other than the protagonist. On page 226 of Story Genius, this is how Lisa Cron describes the work of developing subplots. Quote, Much like drilling down into your plot points, creating subplots will send you back into the past to dig for the specifics that will make them relevant to the story you're telling. Your goal at this stage is not to develop the entire subplot from start to finish in intricate detail. Rather, the goal is to begin to envision it, where it might go, and how it might spur your main storyline. When you're first crafting subplots, you'll not only create new scenes, you'll also expand existing scenes. And that's it. As always, you should expect to take two weeks to work through these questions. All the key info, the readings, and more detail on the exercises is available via a newsletter that comes out a couple times a month. It's free and you can subscribe to it by going to novelmarathon.com forward slash newsletter. Good luck. I look forward to checking in next time to see how it's going. Until then, happy reading, happy writing, and I'll talk to you soon.